have to just build moments into the day. Um, first of all, you have to understand it's very, very effective. You know, if you meditate or practice mindfulness, it liberates more time than it consumes. Hi, my name is Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, medical doctor, author of The Four Pillar Plan and television presenter. I believe that all of us have the ability to feel better than we currently do, but getting healthy has become far too complicated. With this podcast, I aim to simplify it. I'm going to be having conversations with some of the most interesting and exciting people both within as well as outside the health space to hopefully inspire you as well as empower you with simple tips that you can put into practice immediately to transform the way that you feel. I believe that when we are healthier, we are happier because when we feel better, we live more. Hello and welcome to another episode of my Feel Better, Live More podcast. This is the third show in the second season of this podcast. The first two episodes in this season have proved to be two of my most popular podcasts to date. So if you've not heard them yet, do check them out. The first one was How to Find Your Purpose with Rich Roll. And the second one was How to Focus on What You Need to Eat Rather Than What You Should Avoid with Amelia Freer. Now, today's conversation is with Dr. Danny Penman. Danny is an expert in mindfulness, in meditation, and is the author of multiple best-selling books. Now, before we get on to today's conversation, I'm pleased to announce an ongoing partnership with Athletic Greens, who are sponsoring today's show. I know from the feedback that I get on social media as well as on email that many of you are really enjoying the weekly podcast and look forward to each new episode. Now, in order to support the time and expense it takes to put these podcasts on, I've taken on a sponsor whose vision is very well aligned with my own to help people feel better so that they can get more out of life. Now, as you know, I believe that the right nutrition is an essential ingredient to having a healthy and happy life. Now, there's no question that I prefer people to get their nutrition from eating food. But these days, for some of us, that can be a little bit challenging. You might be busy, on the go, rushing around, and even with the best intentions, on some days it can be a little bit tricky to cook a wholesome, nutritious meal. If you feel that this might apply to you and you want to take something each morning as an insurance policy to make sure that you are meeting your nutritional needs... I can highly recommend Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a super tasty whole food greens powder that you can take each morning. And unlike most green supplements that I've tried in the past, it tastes fantastic. In fact, my kids absolutely love it. I love the company Ethos. And I have to say that it is unquestionably one of the most nutrient-dense whole food supplements that I have come across. For listeners of this podcast, if you go to athleticgreens.com, forward slash live more, that's L-I-V-E-M-O-R-E, you will be able to access a special offer where you will get a free travel pack with 20 servings of Athletic Greens, which is worth about £70 or so with your first order. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash live more, L-I-V-E-M-O-R-E. Now, on to today's conversation. Danny, thank you for joining me here on the Feel Better, Live More podcast. That's fine. I could talk forever in a day about mindfulness. It's... Well, well, so can I. So let's see if we can keep this relatively short, yeah. although I do like the long conversations. <laughs> um, 
but Danny, you've got a fascinating story, haven't you, in terms of how you got into mindfulness? Yes, I had a very dramatic introduction about uh, 12 years ago now. Um, I used to be a very keen paraglider pilot. Um, if, if it was a good day for flying, you'd find me somewhere over southern England uh, just soaring with the birds. I absolutely loved paragliding. And one day I was flying over the edge of the uh, Cotswolds and my canopy collapsed and I plunged head over heels into the uh, hillside below. And uh, luckily I landed on my feet, uh, but unluckily the lower half of my right leg was driven through the knee and into the thigh. Um, it was... a th uh, the tibial plateau, which is basically the lower part of the uh, the knee joint, uh, was split apart into five uh, big pieces, and the shin was um, completely shattered. Uh, yeah, this was a really horrific injury. And I was lying there on the hillside, uh, completely stunned. I mean, I was totally unable to breathe, and uh, you know, I, uh, for a moment, I thought, well, you know, is this it? Um, uh, but then I suddenly, you know, kind of came fully conscious again. And I was hit with the most unimaginable pain. I mean, it was absolutely um, horrific. And I, obviously, I had no painkillers with me at all. And uh, I suddenly remembered a very, very simple breathing meditation I'd learned um, in, in sixth form. And we were taught uh, lots of techniques for stress relief as one of our A-level courses. And one of these things was uh, this, just this very simple breathing meditation. So in absolute desperation, I decided to use this as a form of pain control. I'd heard somewhere along that I'd learn, along the line, I'd heard that meditation could be a way of uh, controlling and coping with pain. So I, uh, I, I, I just put it into practice. You know, I just began to focus on the sensations of breathing as the air flowed in and out of my body. And much to my surprise, um, it began to work. Um, it didn't get rid of the pain completely. Uh, it was almost as if there was like a, a thin sheet of glass or mist between me and the pain. But it was definitely, yeah, it was really beginning to diminish. And it allowed me to do all the things that you need to do in this situation, which is, you know, call for an ambulance, check your body for for even more significant injuries, that kind of thing. Um, eventually, I was taken to hospital. I spent um, a month in hospital whilst they uh, reconstructed my leg. I had what's known as a, a Taylor spatial frame fitted to the leg and essentially this is a whole series of concentric um, uh, rings of, of metal and lots of wires and bolts that go through one side of your leg through a fragment of bone and out the other side and it allows the surgeon to kind of move the bones around inside so that they all line up and can heal uh, effectively. So I was I was in hospital for a month and I had this uh, device on my leg for five months. And I began to use 
this meditation more and more for just coping with the you know the immense stress I was under the the anxiety the, the uh, you know considerable unhappiness I was feeling and I, I found it was remarkably effective for all of those things you know and I could feel myself healing on a day-to-day -day basis I could cope with the amount of pain um, you know I I, I reduced my painkiller intake by two thirds. Um, two thirds. Two thirds. Yeah, I got down to just using uh, paracetamol in the day and uh, co codamol. Is it? Uh, and right? you attribute that to your breathing meditation? Yeah, I do. Um, it was you know every there was several other people. Well, there was about twenty other people who were at various stages of uh, going through this process of uh, having their limbs reconstructed in the hospital I was in. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I was healing at a remarkable rate and this was down, you know, I put it almost exclusively down to the meditation, but I did other things as well. Don't get me wrong. Physiotherapy. I made sure I was doing, I think I was doing about three hours a day. Um, really cleaned up my diet a lot. Um, you know, so I was, I went to a completely whole food diet, you know, I mean, they all helped. They all yeah. help. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously we've, we've not spoken before, Danny. I yeah. mean, we're meeting for the first time today, even though I have actually, uh, the first book I came across with you, which was uh, Mindfulness, A Practical yeah. Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World, which I think, was it 2010 it came out? 2011. 2011. Yeah. It's been yeah. out for a few years now, yeah. but it's, yeah. it, you know, it's it's in a lot of you know, I see it in in my medical work. Yeah, I see it in a lot of differing establishments. Mm. It's, it's quite interesting to me how that book really has penetrated into the medical profession. But I think what's striking for me is that you know you had this paragliding accident, um, and in that moment of excruciating pain and probably anxiety oh, and yeah. your body being in fight or flight. Yeah. Um, you used a breathing meditation. Now, there's two questions really. One is, where did you learn that breathing meditation? Hmm. Um, and secondly, what was it? Firstly, I, I learned it in sixth form as part of the um, a stress reduction course. Um, what, at school? Yes, yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary looking back. I mean, this was about 1983, 1985. It was a comprehensive school in a suburb of Liverpool. This was not a some kind of hippie commune type school at all. It was just a, you know, an ordinary school. But was, it, that, was that unusual? Because to me, hearing that, yeah. that blows my mind that in 1983, yeah. um, you were actually learning stress reduction and meditation yeah. at school. Yeah. Well, it was. It came down to I think one teacher. He um, he'd, he'd come back from India at some point in the past. Uh, he was he was our English teacher, and it was just it was part of a general studies course where um, they they were teaching us all kinds of life skills as well as kind of general knowledge that kind of thing. And they obviously decided that the world was becoming a stressful place, more stressful place, and they, they needed to kind of build resilience in their, in their pupils. So, wow, back in 1983, they thought the world was becoming a more stressful place, yeah. which is super striking for me because my perception at the moment is that particularly in the last 10 or 15, 15 years with technology and how that's yeah. exploded, yeah. 
you know, in my head, I'm thinking that's that's really ramped up the stress a lot. But even yeah. back then, they were talking yeah. about stress going up. Yeah, I mean, I, th- <laughs> you know, the world has always been a stressful place. There is nothing more stressful than uh, wondering if you're going to get any food tomorrow, whether your family is going to survive, whether there's going to be another war with a tribe over the other side of the hill. Stress has always been with us. It's part of the human condition. You know, these techniques are at least two and a half thousand years old. You know, mindfulness meditation is at least two and a half thousand years old. It was developed, uh, you know, partly for spiritual reasons, but also it was, you know, people found it very useful to cope with, with, with stress and anxiety and just to have a more balanced view of the world. Yeah. So, so Danny, you learned it in sixth form. Yeah. Now, I'm intrigued, you know, in sixth form, you probably are, you know, 16, 17, maybe 18, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. What did you think at the time? Did you think, oh, you know, what is all this about? You know, is this really going to help? Or did you, did it resonate with you immediately? It did resonate with me. Um, in fact, I, over the years, whenever, you know, life became uh, more difficult, you know, during exams, difficult work situations, that kind of thing, I would actually go away and do uh, meditation that, you know, I subsequently learned was called mindfulness meditation, but I just knew it as meditation. And typically what would happen is I'd reach some kind of acute stress point um, and I would just meditate for 20 minutes a day, maybe 30 minutes, and that would go on for a week or two. The stress would dissipate. And gradually, I just go back to normal life. And then maybe another year later or two years later, I'd pick up meditation again for for the same reasons. Now, what was the meditation that you did in that emergency situation when you're in excruciating pain and you're scared? Is that something you were able to describe? Yeah. I mean, it is the most simple of all mindfulness meditations which is where you um you know you close your eyes you focus on the sensations of breathing so as the air flows into your lungs and then out and you are feeling the way your shoulders rise and fall the way your chest rises and falls the way your you know stomach uh, moves in and out so you're really getting in touch with your body and the sensations of breathing and that is incredibly powerful especially for stress relief and anxiety relief because what it does it has a direct influence on the body's parasympathetic nervous system that's the the calming aspect of the nervous system so just breathing deep in and out gradually slowing down has this tremendously soothing effect on the body yeah it really does um i've been sort of writing recently for for a new book on stress called the stress solution and um i i remember sort of sitting there trying to think how can i articulate this in a in a in a, in a simple way that people yeah. get it and i and i you know breathing is really information isn't it yeah. it's information yeah. for your brain that everything is okay yeah yes you know so in some ways, our, our brain, if we're feeling stressed, can send messages to our body yeah. that we're under attack and that we're stressed. Yeah. But we can also almost, I wouldn't like to use the word hack, but we can yeah. almost, yeah, we can, I guess I am using that word. We can, yeah. we can hack it by, by focusing yeah. on our breathing and yeah. breathing deeply and slowly. Yeah. We can send our brain messages that yeah. everything's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're still breathing, there's more right with you than wrong with you. It's simple yeah. as that. 
you know yeah and uh so that's what you focus on in that yeah. moment that helped yeah. you to become more alert so you could think rationally yeah. yeah what do i need to do yeah so i imagine that your yeah your emotional brain your amygdala which was yeah. probably going you know taking center stage in your brain oh, at yeah, that time yeah, yeah. yeah you were able to calm it down so that your yeah. rational brain could yeah. go okay i need to do this i need to do that yeah um one thing I'd love to, you know, you've written yeah. a few books now on, on yeah. mindfulness. Yeah. Um, you mentioned at the start a breathing meditation. Then you yeah. mentioned meditation. Then you mentioned mindfulness meditation. Yeah. And I think yeah. there is a bit of confusion out there. Yeah. So could you clarify what they all mean? Yes. Um, mindfulness is quite simply uh, full conscious awareness of whatever is going on around you and inside you so you know it's all of the thoughts and feelings and emotions that are flowing through your mind and your body and it's also being aware of whatever is going on around you you know uh, it could be like the noise that's around you or a beautiful scenery or, or whatever really so it's full conscious awareness and that is traditionally cultivated um, using mindfulness meditation. And there's a number of different mindfulness meditations, but they all focus really on cultivating, you know, this awareness of whatever is, is going on around you. And the simplest of all meditations is, is, a, is that breathing meditation that I used to, to control my pain. So for someone listening right now, who hopefully is sort of really resonated with your story yeah. and really connects with that and thinks, okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, I want to do that. You yep. know, just talk us through exactly. If you, if you were teaching someone right in front of you, you were teaching me now. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I'm hoping by doing that, yeah, that we can hopefully teach the listeners to, to this podcast, okay. what they might be able to do. Okay. Um, the best thing to do is, uh, sit down, uh, straight back chair is the best. Okay, so I'm just getting in yep. position. Okay. Okay. Uh, so keep your spine, you know, upright, erect, but not tense in any way. And just gradually close your eyes and begin to focus on the sensations of breathing. So as the air flows in, pay attention to wherever the sensations are the strongest. Might be on the back of your throat or your nose, or in your lungs. And then when you breathe out, again, focus on wherever the sensations are the strongest. And broaden your awareness to focus on the way your shoulders rise and fall, the way your chest rises and falls. Really tune in to all the different sensations. After a while, usually sooner, you'll realize your mind has wandered away with itself. And when it happens, gradually shepherd your awareness back to the sensations of breathing and gradually just pay attention 
And if you just do that for ideally 10, 20 minutes a day, you'll find that you become far, far calmer and in control of your life. And it's, you know, it really is as simple as that. It's just, if you can set aside 10 or 20 minutes a day to just focus on your breathing or one of the other mindfulness meditations, it will have a really profound long-term effect on the body and the mind. So, so let's go into some of those benefits. Yeah. Um, you've been doing this for a long period of time. You've written a number of yeah. books on this. So yeah. what are the benefits of doing this? Okay. Um, mindfulness, especially one of the structured programs like mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, has been proven in numerous clinical trials now to be at least as good as uh, medication for for the for depression, especially the worst forms of depression. In fact, it's actually slightly better than um, antidepressants for the worst forms of depression. Yeah, I saw that in 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 that book, Mindfulness: A Practical Guide. I think that yeah. the first book is that the first book That's you wrote. The first one I wrote. Yeah, that you, you co-wrote yeah. with with uh, Professor Mark Williams. That's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember sat there where where he was he or you. I guess you guys wrote it together. But the, yeah. the statistic yeah. were there was on um yeah exactly that how effective it can be better than antidepressants in some cases yes yeah yeah it's, especially if there's a history of serious like childhood abuse sexual assault those those really worse f terrible life traumas that you know leave people scarred for life mindfulness is actually uh, better than than medication for the normal run-of-the-mill um depression it's it's on a par with 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 um but obviously you know you're, you're not taking medication so i think on that level it's better yeah absolutely so so for mental health problems like depression yep. but i imagine yep. also anxiety that Absol there's yep. a huge role for it what what else can it help with the whole range of of mental health problems that you know is afflicting society really you know anxiety stress depression insomnia um, yeah, all the maladies of, of all the mental health maladies of modern life. Yeah, I, I would probably say that as well as those. Yeah, because stress um, impacts every single organ in our body, whether it's our brain, so our memory, yes, uh, our, our you know our, our emotional brain, our amygdala, so anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Um, it can even increase the risk of getting type 2 diabetes. A lot of people don't think of stress reduction when they think of type 2 diabetes. They think about diet and exercise. But, you know, chronically elevated stress levels raises your cortisol, which raises your blood sugar, which is a cause of type 2 diabetes. Gut problems like irritable bowel syndrome, which are so prevalent now, we know that stress plays a big role. So I bet you your, your practices will also benefit these other conditions as well. I think that's I think that's true. I mean, there is evidence that um, you know people who who have cancer, for example, um, it's not a cure for cancer at all, but it allows people to cope with 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 the illness. Um, I have heard that it is you know it, it can help with type two diabetes as well. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because yeah. you think about it. I mean, virtually any serious health complaint has got a mental component because it, you know you end up in these damaging downward spirals. You know, you've been given a you know a, a, a diagnosis. It's stressful itself. You know, it, it's you know it, it's you know anybody who gets a diagnosis of a serious illness, they're going to be anxious and stressed and unhappy. Yeah, Danny, I think you raise a really good point there because as you know, as a GP. Um, if I think about it, we're often, you know, 
often in our conferences at our sort of when we're with professional colleagues, we, we get told a lot that actually if we don't deliver a diagnosis or we don't explain clearly what's going on, we can actually induce a lot of anxiety and worry in our patients. So even if we're not trying to, I think certainly as a profession, sometimes we don't realize how damaging what we do or what, you know, the way we give blood test results or, or a flippant remark here, you know, can have quite a damaging impact. So, you know, even even for that, I think mindfulness and and sort of breathing meditations could potentially be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I think it is. So do you run classes? I do. I mean, I don't teach so much these days. Um, the books have, have ta- taken up so much of my life. <laughs> um, How many books have you got now? Uh, I've got four books on mindfulness. Uh, one is for uh, to do with kind of the mental health issues, you know, anxiety, stress, depression. That's mindfulness, finding a peace in a frantic world. Uh, mindfulness for health is for chronic pain and illness because mindfulness is great for relieving um, chronic pain. Again, there's lots of evidence now. But there really is. And I can yeah. tell you, my mother, she's not doing a formal... Um, well, I don't think it's a formal meditation type mindfulness practice, but what she does, and because she has some pain issues, what mum does is uh, she's come off all her painkillers, which is brilliant. I've helped her to do that over the last couple of years. Um, and interestingly enough, as she come off all the painkillers, her pain is no worse, which is just remarkable in itself, if you think about that. But when it's particularly bad, she'll do some yoga breathing practices for about five minutes. And... She just says it's just remarkable how it it reduces her pain, and we've got a chronic painkiller problem yeah. with opiates in particular in this country. Lots of people out there are addicted all over the world, actually. Certainly here in the UK, but in the US, the problem is probably even a little bit worse. And I kind of feel that what you're proposing, what you're trying to raise awareness of, mindfulness and breathing. Um, can have a profound impact there. It does, and it works. Um, on many different levels. That's why mindfulness is very effective for across the, across the board, but also for pain. Because the first thing it does if you are suffering chronic pain is you begin to relax. And that itself relaxes. Uh, your whole body becomes, um, well, more relaxed, obviously. But you, um, you relieve the mechanical pressure on the body. So, for example, if you're suffering from osteoarthritis, um, as soon as you uh, relieve that mechanical pressure, a lot of the pain goes. And so the, the process of relaxing gets rid of the pain very, very quickly. But it works on a far deeper level too because the irony of pain is if if you begin to suffer it, your brain actually lays down extra pathways so that you can begin to pain feel pain more efficiently. Uh, it sounds crazy, but your body, your, your your brain actually adapts because you're focused on the pain. It thinks you, it begins to look out for it. And so you end up in this kind of downward spiral that goes for weeks and months and years. And so you can end up in a terrible state just by your ba- brain rewiring itself to feel yeah, pain. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's like a feed yeah. forward cycle. So yeah, yeah. I guess the analogy would be if we're, you know, if you go for a run, Right, you're working out, uh, that's a lot of stress on the body. When you're resting, your body is recovering, going, okay, how can we do that more efficiently? So next yes. time you go, you're more efficient at running. So yes. I guess what you're saying is if you're in chronic pain and you're focusing on the pain and you're worrying about the pain, your brain then is diverting 
energy and attention to that pain and saying, well, how can we access that pain yes. a little bit more efficiently, potentially? That's, that is exactly how it works. You become more efficient at feeling pain. Now, what mindfulness does is it broadens your whole field of awareness. So you begin to see your pain in a broader context. So effectively it begins to be diluted. And you realize that, yes, you're in pain at this moment. It's not very pleasant. However, you have a whole life that you are, you can live. Um, so then you begin to reverse that process. You know, Because you're no longer so focused on those sensations of pain, your brain uh, is obviously less focused on it. So it begins to – essentially the, the pathways in the brain begin to fossilize uh, – and you gradually begin to feel it less acutely. So, I mean, Danny, I think the research on mindfulness and meditation is just, from what I can see, is exploding. Um, there's more and more papers coming out. Uh, I think that's sort of almost reflective of where we've got to in, you know, just with our health across the world in general, which is I think there is a gradual awareness that we are over-medicating symptoms People are sick of taking pill after pill. Um, often they don't feel better even on those pills. So at least if on the pills you were feeling better, you could see, okay, fine, there may be some side effects when I'm feeling better. Um, so I can see that mindfulness would have a key role. Now, I do think the term is a little bit scary for some people. Like some people go, okay, great. You know, what does that really mean? So I wonder if we could dive into some of the actual, you know, mechanics, the daily mechanics of how people might do this. And I, I know in your, I think it was the first book, Finding Peace in a Frantic World, um, you had something called habit releases. Yeah. What are those? Human beings are fantastic habit machines. You know, you do something twice and uh, you will actually lay down tracks in the brain to do that more efficiently. Um, and it's just the way human beings are. Now, it, what it means in practice is you can also automate the way you think. You know, most of what we think each day uh, and what we do each day is actually just some form of habit. Somewhere between, it's about 50 to 80% of all of our thoughts and behaviors are just habits that are being triggered over and over and over again. Crucially, uh, it means that, you know, we often automate negative states of mind and negative thoughts and we can end up in these tremendous downward spirals that you know is the, really is the root cause of, of of depression and anxiety and stress now you interrupt it the process um obviously with mindfulness meditation but the thing with habit releases is it begins to uh, we do these daily practices whether it's something often very very simple like changing the place that you sit in meetings, for example. Um, if you sit in a different chair at a meeting, you will have completely different thoughts than if you sit in your normal place. Sounds very simple, but you can have actually changed the direction of your life for that day. You know, just instead of getting your usual bus at the usual time, if you maybe get on at a different bus stop or get a different bus or just walk, this can change the direction of your life for that day and progressively, you know, as the, day, as the days turn into weeks and months and years. Yeah, Danny, I mean, it does sound remarkable, but absolutely believable to me. That's yes, yes. Just that, you know, so much of what we do day in, day out are just habits. Yes. Um, yeah. 
it's the same even with people's dietary choices, right? Um, these are habits. People will often say, for example, it's not quite the same thing, but I think I think there's a there's a good analogy there, which is um, if you're used to having tea with sugar, yeah. for example, and you've had it like that for five years, you've had tea with two spoons of sugar in. You know what? Initially, that's what you're conditioned. Your 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 body is expecting that, and it likes that. Your taste buds do as well. So when you actually have tea without that sugar, you think it tastes disgusting. But if you can white knuckle it for a few weeks and go yeah. to sort of three weeks without yeah. anything, yeah, suddenly, yeah, a, a cup of tea with with no sugar in tastes fantastic, yeah. And if you have a cup of tea with sugar in, it tastes really super sweet. And, and the, the reason I bring that up is that I think people can resonate with that. And that's how quickly your habits can change. Would you say it's the same thing with mindfulness? Yes, yes. Um, and if you combine this kind of conscious process of breaking habits um, with mindfulness, then the, the effect is even more profound. So, so give me an example. What can someone do? Let's say someone's listening to this and they are okay. actually... You know, I get that. That sounds great. But but what can I really do in my life? Have you got like a, a, a tip that people can think about? Yeah, I mean, really very simple things. Like if you're going to, say, a restaurant, a pub or a, a meeting at work, sit in a different place. If you walk into a bar, for example, and sit at a different table and look around, you will see a completely different uh, environment than if you sat in your usual place. And if you sit in your normal place, you will actually zone out and you won't notice anything at all. You sit somewhere different and you will see everything it, from a different angle. You will suddenly, you know, there'll be different sights and sounds and smells. You you will be alive again. So, so, so I guess this could be wherever you normally sit for dinner yeah, at the table, absolutely. switch it up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you do, just do it slightly differently and it'll just give like a little frisson of excitement almost. Life becomes a little bit more interesting. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I'm going to try yeah. that actually and yeah. see how that, uh, yeah. how that goes. I'll, I'll yeah. tell my wife tonight that I'm, I'm sitting on her seat tonight. So yeah. <laughs> I'd, see, I'd see what that does. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just, just extrapolate it through your life, you know, sit in a different place in the bus or the train, take a different route to work. If you drive, uh, choose different foods to what you would normally. I mean, it's, we have a structured program in, you know, um, mindfulness, finding peace in a frantic world. Um, but it doesn't have you, you to really, be You really walk people through it, don't Absolutely, you, to help them, yeah. which I think yeah. can be incredibly uh, beneficial. And, yeah. and actually, guys, if you, all, all the things that we're talking about and all the links to some of Danny's articles, but also all of his books will be in the show notes page, which is going to be drchatterjee.com forward slash Danny. That's D-A-N-N-Y. So you'll be able to, everything we're talking about, there are going to be links to that uh, so that you can actually continue your learning experience after th this is finished. W would this also be, Danny, that... Um, Let's say someone says, okay, fine, I, I want to take up a mindfulness practice. And I always think that the mornings, first thing in the morning is a brilliant time. You know, obviously some people can't do that. If you can't, that's okay. But I think it's a great way of setting up the day and changing. You know, I, I think your action often determines your thoughts. So just how sitting in a different seat can change things. I think if you start your day really focused on yourself and being present, that can have an impact throughout the day. Is that what you've seen? It definitely is, except I'm the opposite. 
Really? I, yeah, yeah. I, I cannot meditate in the morning. Oh, uh, this is interesting. Tell me yeah, more. Yeah. So I, uh, what I tend to do is immediately before I start writing, I will just spend a few minutes focusing on the breath. Just, it's not really full on meditation at all, you know. And then when I finished my day's work before I collect our daughter from school, that's when I do my meditation. So it's a way of kind of switching off almost. Of, uh, is this just before you pick up your daughter? Yeah. So like I pick her up at 3.30. I meditate uh, usually between about uh, 10 to 3 to 20 past, something like that. Sometimes a little bit, bit less. Okay. So here's a question, Tani. Have you had some times where you've not managed to do that when you pick up your daughter because you've been a bit yeah, busy, yeah. right? And yeah. so do you find that... The interactions you have with your daughter, how old is she? Uh, six. Six, six at the moment. Okay, yeah. six and a half. Okay. Do, do you find that your, yeah, those interactions are ever different? Well, let me put this a different way. If you reflect, yeah. when you do some form of mindfulness meditation before picking yeah. your daughter up, yeah. do you have a different relationship, a different sort of experience with her than when you don't? Yeah, Absolutely. And what I really notice is uh, not so much before I begin to meditate, but when I open my eyes, I suddenly realize I am so much calmer. And I feel as if my uh, consciousness is an awful lot broader. So when I walk out the house, I walk across the park, I notice all the leaves on the trees, the color of the bark, the smell of the park, you know, the grass or the, the moisture in the air. So I'm really connected and really alive. And then I go and collect her. And, you know, it's, it's, it has, it's a profoundly different interaction relationship I have with my daughter on those days, which is most days that I can I do the meditation. But some days I don't manage to for various reasons. And what happens then? Because you, let's say you're rushing to get her. You've, yeah. You're running around. I don't yeah. know. If, you know, I'm sure you get stressed from time to oh, time, yeah, even, even though you're yeah. the mindfulness guy. I'm sure, I'm sure that's <laughs> real life for most of us. Is, yeah. is what, what happens then? Do you, do you notice, I don't know, tell me what happens with your daughter then or what can happen? What tends to happen with me is when I begin to get stressed, I feel as if I can't keep up with things. You know, I feel like there's this treadmill that I'm just kind of being dragged along and I'm not really in control of things. And that um comes out as maybe like a bit of snappiness a bit yeah. short-temperedness um just that feeling of you know it's my amygdala starts to fire up you know as fight or flight kind of uh, situation yeah. and that that's everybody experiences stress in different ways but that that's what it is with me yeah and, you know there's tiny many people who listen to this podcast have children yeah and i think you know certainly i'm a father i think I can resonate. I'm sure many of them will resonate with yeah. this whole this whole idea that when we are stressed and yeah. we've got lots of things on our plate, that can sort of bubble over, yeah. and that can impact the relationship with our children. Yeah. But even, I guess you know, we say parents and children. Even if you don't have children, it's the same thing as with interactions with your work colleagues, isn't it? If you come into work and you're a bit overloaded, yeah suddenly you can't really deal with those work emails anymore they start to bother you and start to frustrate you and you get angry and anxious um so so this in some ways i mean obviously it's great that you've got this this daily practice that you can do it before you pick up your daughter for people who say you know i'm working i can't do that what advice would you give to them you have to just build moments into the day 
Um, first of all, you have to understand it's very, very effective. You know, if you meditate or practice mindfulness, it liberates more time than it consumes. So you might spend five minutes or 10 minutes meditating a day, but actually you're spending far less time being worried or stressed or unhappy or just going through the whole habit routines all of the time. So you will end up liberating maybe half an hour or an hour extra. So you're creating more time you by doing it. You are creating more time. And that's a key, key point because yeah. people say, I don't have time to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's... It, but it really is true. You know, all you have to do is spend a few days meditating and you suddenly realize there are actually quite a few gaps in the day where you can squeeze in just moments here and there. And actually, if you're really, really pushed for time, the next time you have a cup of tea or coffee, use it to meditate. You know, so if you've got a cup of coffee in front of you, you know, close your eyes and just Focus on the taste of the coffee. Tune into all the sights and sounds that surround you. And that, that is a moment of mindfulness. You know, everybody thinks of mindfulness as a form of meditation. Well, meditation is just one form of practicing mindfulness. You know, uh, what it really is, is being connected to whatever is going on around you. That's where its benefits come from. It's not sitting in the lotus position and, you know, focusing on your breath. The benefits of mindfulness come from just being connected with life. So in many ways, the, the daily practice that you're recommending, yeah. it's not really about that. That's that's almost tuning you into it yes. so that for the other 23 and a half hours of the day, yes. yeah. well, obviously you're sleeping for a lot of them, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but for, the, for the other hours of the day, yeah. you are hopefully more mindful, more yeah. attentive, more present because of the practice. Yeah, absolutely. And you think if you extrapolate that, you know, if you... You know, if you're spending, like most people do, 60 or 80% of your time going through an unconscious habit, you're actually only alive for a few hours each day, you know, maybe four or five hours each day. Now, if you practice meditation for, say, 20 minutes a day, and you then become conscious of your life for another hour or two each day, you're actually effectively adding a few decades to your life, you know, yeah. because you are living life on a daily basis rather than being unconscious. Danny, in, 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 in one of your books, you also mentioned um, mindful movement meditation. Yes. Yeah. Now, I wonder if that fits in here because obviously you've got a practice where you can sit at home, you could do your breathing meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned when making a cup of tea or coffee. Yeah. You, you can, you know, practice mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. But what about movement? How can someone be mindful when moving? Well, uh, yoga is essentially, uh, you know, a moving meditation. Uh, but any physical activity at all, if you really pay attention to it, that can become a mindfulness exercise. So if you're going for a walk, you know, feel the ground beneath your feet, the way your legs move, the way you sway gently from side to side, uh, pay attention to all of the sights around you, you know, the, the, you know, the beauty of the trees or the uh, maybe the ugliness of the buildings or the cars. Uh, and try not to make judgments about whether something's beautiful. Just tune into it. Just pay attention to it. And the sights, uh, sorry, the sounds and the smells, you know, just reconnect with life that's a very simple exercise you anybody can do at all yeah and that's something that i've started doing recently actually and it, and it is incredible if you know when you go for a walk you 
you know, get your phone out of the way. Yes, that, yes. That for me, that's the many times it's it's the complete opposite yeah. of mindfulness in, yeah. in so many ways. Get the phone. Often I put it in my rucksack so I can't see it. I go for a walk and, and really yeah. try and just feel how your feet are touching the ground. Or yeah. was that my heel? Now that's my forefoot. You know, it's yeah. it's just tuning into it. And it, it can be tricky at first if you're not used to it. But yeah. um, I mean, in your experience of talking to people all around the country and, and probably around the world about how they're finding it, what, what are some of the common problems that people have? And are there some 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 simple solutions? Yeah. Well, yes, the, the, the problems have existed for thousands of years. And the biggest problem of all is is doing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, people will often do mindfulness just once or twice. Um, and then for whatever reason, life gets in the way and they just stop doing it. So the most important thing is to try and build it into your life. You know, 10 minutes a day, four, five, six days a week is infinitely better than just one marathon session a month. Yeah. You know, it's the daily ordinary, ordinariness of it that, that's crucial. Yeah. And uh, that that's the difficulty is just actually remembering to do it. I, I think for me, Danny, that's why first thing in the morning is when it works yeah. best for me. I yeah. know even though it only takes 10 minutes, I know that – Yeah. As the day goes on, I thought, oh, I don't have 10 minutes. I don't, which is ridiculous because, of course, I've got 10 minutes. And actually, those 10 yeah. minutes are going to give yeah. me, yeah. you know, more time actually afterwards. And I'll be that much more productive. I'll easily make back that time. I know for me and many of my patients, first thing in the morning is it either happens then or it doesn't happen. Yeah. But I'm quite inspired by your um, your afternoon session, actually. That, that makes me think. And I'm going to have a little think about that. Okay, so a common problem is not doing it. Yeah. Any other common problems? Yeah, misperceptions as to what... It actually is. Um, people tend to sit there uh, or people tend to think you've got to sit there in the lotus position. And actually, it doesn't matter how you sit and when you're meditating. The most important thing is is just going off and doing it. People also think it's a religious practice and it's not at all. I mean, obviously, um, it was first developed or at least promoted by, by Buddhists two and a half thousand years ago. But truth is, all religions have got forms of mindfulness meditation. Uh, atheists are perfectly happy. You're not tuning into any uh, deity or anything like that. It's no. purely uh, secular activity. You know, it's, yeah. it's, I think it's great to remind people of that because sometimes that can put people off. The other thing yeah. I loved about that was it's, it's a very similar message to, I think it was episode 25 of this podcast. So I, yeah. I interviewed someone called Light Watkins and oh, yeah. uh, The Truth About Meditation yeah. um, is the name of that podcast. And he also said, forget about the low position, forget about, you know, yeah. he even said, forget about keeping your back straight if you can't do it. Yeah. Just start in whatever position you would watch television in. Yeah get going, we can work on that as you get better at it. And, and I think yeah. it really removes a barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so many people who uh, are suffering stress and anxiety are perfectionists. And actually they bring that perfectionism to mindfulness. And actually you don't need to. You know, you find what you find. And it, it's as simple and as beautiful as that. Yeah, that's a key message, isn't it? I, I can really echo with that. Yeah. Um, it's, I guess, in some ways it's, don't let perfection be an obstacle to yeah. 
at the actual action of doing it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically just yeah. do it and you'll yeah. get the benefits yeah exactly it's like when people are meditating they get really annoyed with themselves when their mind suddenly chases off they suddenly start thinking and actually that's a moment of mindfulness when you realize your mind has wandered that is a moment of mindfulness so in the midst of that apparent failure is actually your success so embrace it. Embrace, embrace the it. fact Absolutely. that it's wandered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, I wandered. Now I'm yeah. getting back to the breath. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. That's a great message. Yeah. Danny, your, your latest book, The Art of Breathing, has been out for a few months now. Uh, I believe it's out all over the world now. It's out in yeah. America as well, isn't yeah. it? just published in America, yep. Yeah, fantastic. So so what's different about this? The Art of Breathing, The Secrets of Living Mindfully. Yeah. Can you tell me sort of a little bit, what, what do people get from this book? Yeah, it's essentially a very simple, short uh, mindfulness course, really, you know, it's, it just takes, gives you the, the absolute core of what you need to know about meditation to do it. And I got together with a, with a really great artist. So it's, you know, some people have said it's a beautiful book. I, I, you know, I couldn't possibly comment on that. <laughs> Danny, I'm flicking through it now. She very yeah. kindly brought a copy to this, to this, uh, conversation that we're having. Yeah. I've got to say it's, it's short, yeah. um, which appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. It's really beautifully designed. There's lots of nice images and graphics. And yeah. I think that this is the kind of book that's going to make, yeah. you know, breathing and mindfulness a lot more accessible to people who feel that it's a little bit, yeah. you know, it's quite, there's a, a different feel to this book, The Art of Breathing, to your, the first book I came across, you know, Mindfulness, Finding Peace in a Frantic World, which yeah. I think is very good. It's quite meaty, isn't it? Yeah. It's got yeah. a lot more yeah what, what a lot more science in that would you say yeah a lot more science uh, it's a it's a step-by-step -step guide it explains everything in minute detail uh, it's an eight-week course eight-week course whereas this new one feels i say you could sort of have it on the coffee table and yeah. every yeah. day sort of tap into it with a little bit of inspiration is that was that the idea behind it yeah exactly it just gives you everything you need to know very simple very short very sweet so you can just pick it up and just just begin you know because i think you know I love the idea that people are going to really get to grips and love the science behind mindfulness and meditation. But the truth is, <laughs> lots of people won't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the art of breathing is aimed at those people who just want to get going. Yeah. And I think that's a great message, really. There's, there's no question there is so much science on mindfulness and meditation now. You know, do we need to blind people with more and more science is really the obstacle to getting more people practicing mindfulness and practicing meditation is knowledge, the the, the obstacle i'm not convinced it is i think people sort of know yeah it's good for them yeah it, it's actually the how-to that yeah. we need isn't it absolutely and the encouragement and just uh yeah just just begin that's well, Danny, I'm, I'm super looking forward to getting involved in this because i do have a tendency to you know get stuck into a meditation practice for a few days sometimes a few weeks and then sometimes it sort of falls off again yeah uh, which you know i don't beat myself up about it anymore like i used to yeah um but i think this book could be incredibly useful so i'm gonna yeah you know i'm gonna get stuck into this yeah, yeah. there's lots of nice little exercises you can just do anywhere just to reconnect and, and nice images i can see as well so to finish off danny i always you know i talk about four pillars of health food movement sleep and relaxation yeah and i am very much about taking a a rounded holistic approach to health and tackling yeah. all the various lifestyle factors 
if we talk specifically about your work, mindfulness yeah. and meditation, yeah. um, do you have four top tips for people that we can leave them with to hopefully inspire them to take yeah. up some form of practice? Yeah. I mean, if you are feeling stressed, maybe you're sitting in, in your office or, you know, you just life is getting uh, beginning to overwhelm you and you need a break right now, just literally go outside look at the sky, look at the horizon, look down the street, just broaden your awareness. That is incredibly simple thing to do. And it's very, very effective. Um, the, another great tip is your next tea or coffee break, you know, just close your eyes, pay attention to all of the flavors and the smells of, of, of the tea or coffee. So um, really savor it. Really. Yeah, just really, because, you know, life is for living and we miss so, so much because we're just driven by these habits. You know, we, we think we know what a cup of coffee or tea is going to taste like. So we never actually taste it. You know, yeah. that the coffee taste that isn't in your brain is probably from 20 years ago. You know, yeah, that's a great point. Great, great point. Okay. So that's two good tips. Any yeah. more? Well, just normal good lifestyle advice really you know um try to eat a little bit better I mean, that's the great thing about mindfulness because you're noticing that the the tastes of food and drink uh you know as they actually are you're drawn to nicer tasting healthier food rather than just bland junk food okay so the third one pay attention to other aspects of your lifestyle yeah. and i don't know if that's it or whether we can whether we can have a fourth and final tip Again, just general good lifestyle advice is, you know, begin to move a little bit more, you know, and that's the other thing about mindfulness. Uh, you suddenly will begin to realize actually you might be quite slovenly. <laughs> and, uh, and, but then, I, and ideally, I guess you can be mindful whilst you're moving. Absolutely. And you'll also realize how nice it is to actually move, to let your body behave in the way it was designed to to behave. Yeah, Danny, those are great tips. You know, get outside, you know, pay attention to that next cup of tea or coffee yeah. and pay attention to all these lifestyle factors, yeah. including yeah. movements. Yeah. I think yeah. that is some really, really good advice. Yeah, Danny, thank you for taking the time to join me today. I can see that you're not on school run today because you are here chatting with me. I'd love to get you back on actually at some point. I think there's much more that we could talk about. We just really scratched the surface today, but I really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you for such a beautiful book, The Art of Breathing. Thank you. That concludes today's episode of the Feel Better, Live More podcast. I hope you have found the conversation to be enjoyable and it's hopefully inspired you to be a little bit more mindful in your daily life and potentially even take up a regular practice. As Danny says, life is for living, but we miss so much of it. I totally agree. So much of the time we are on autopilot that we often miss out on the small things that can give us great pleasure. Do let me and Danny know how you get on with his tips. Danny is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle Dr. Danny Penman. And if possible, do use the hashtag feelbetterlivemore. Now, don't forget, full show notes to this episode are available on my website at drchatterjee.com forward slash Danny. I mean, if you're wondering actually what does a show notes page look like? Well, basically, it's a list of all the things that Danny and I spoke about, plus links to many different resources, including some free guided meditations from Danny. Now, there's one on there that's called a chocolate meditation, which Danny tells me is a huge hit with people. It's basically learning about mindfulness 
whilst eating chocolate. Sounds pretty perfect, right? So do check it out on the show notes page at drchatterjee.com forward slash Danny. Don't forget to pay a visit to the website of today's sponsors, Athletic Greens. Remember, there is a special offer with your first order worth £70, which you can access at athleticgreens.com forward slash live more. As always, it would be great if you could help me spread awareness about the show. My goal is to get this information out to as many people as possible. Best ways are to leave a review on whichever platform you are listening to this on, such as Apple or Acast or Overcast. You could even take a screenshot on your phone right now and share it on your social media channels. Or you could do it the old-fashioned way. Simply just let your friends know about it. Now, for those of you new to the podcast, my first book, The Four Pillar Plan, is available all over the world now, so do consider picking up a copy. In America and Canada, it has been released with a brand new title, How to Make Disease Disappear. My latest book, The Stress Solution, is out in just a couple of months now and is available to pre-order. Links to all of my books, as well as Danny's books, will be available on the show notes page on my website. That is it for today. I hope you have a fabulous week. Make sure you have pressed subscribe and I'll be back next week for the latest conversation on the Feel Better, Live More podcast. Remember, you are the architect of your own health. Making lifestyle change is always worth it because when you feel better, you live more. I'll see you next time.